is prison bullshit list by reading my emails. Answer me this, answer me this. I'm drenched in links, Africa, so where are the females? Answer me this, answer me this. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. Last week, Ollie revealed an ingenious system that he used to hide his arousing magazines that he enjoyed as a teenager that's right take boring looking magazines and nestle your porn mags spine inwards between them on the shelf and uh, many of the rest of you have also been in touch uh, to tell us how you hid yours <laughs> how do you hide yours it's, it's, a, it's an adult subversion of the classic cadbury's refrain indeed <laughs> alistair says my brother used to hide his porn mags on top of the suspended ceiling in the bathroom so the ceiling could one day collapse and shower pornography upon the people in the bath. <laughs> That's American Pie levels of uh, inconceivability, I would yeah. say. Megan hides hers in a beanbag chair. <laughs> That's texturally wrong for anyone sitting in the beanbag. They're going to wonder what rustles beneath. Here's quite a cunning one from Corey, who says, My ex-husband kept his in a box for a board game that no one else played. <laughs> in my house that would have been Postman Pat's race game Just would have felt wrong putting pornography in there We had one called Escape from Colditz That would have been quite good I wonder if it's the same game just got rebranded in the 80s <laughs> uh, Anyway here's a question from Lauren uh, Who says Helen answer me this Why is iced coffee so delicious mm-hmm. I think that's uh, arguable I don't like hot coffee But I do quite like iced coffee yeah, But would you use the phrase so delicious No, no. But Debatable then, you see But then you know I tend to underplay things that's right. I want to leave some room for ecstasy when something really is so delicious. <laughs> Can you give an example of something that you do think is so delicious? My friend Eleanor made an incredible cake for her fiancé's birthday oh, yeah. the other day. Was that salted caramel? I think it was, yeah, it had sort of layers of salted caramel in a chocolate cake that was not too sweet. And that it sounds... really is one of the best cakes I've ever had. And did you have it and say, this is so delicious, Eleanor? Or did you say, I like to save my ecstasy for moments of true pleasure, but this is very good? In the manner of my father, who practices light OTs, I would say this is... Yeah, it's quite good, actually. <laughs> Not bad. Okay. That was a real haymaker, that cake. It was amazing. <laughs> Fine. Okay, well, Lauren thinks iced coffee is so delicious. So delicious. So delicious. She says, why is iced coffee so delicious? But, 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 coffee that's just gone cold tastes so rank. All right. Is it because they stick a lot more sugar in iced coffee, maybe? I think that's the one word answer. Also, coffee is strong tasting, right? But in its hot form aromatics are released so you're smelling quite a delicious smell and that Mm. influences your taste iced form uh, you can't taste as much because very cold things Mm -hmm. don't taste strong which is why you know if you if you melted a lolly it would taste way too sweet but doesn't when it's frozen Mm. but cold coffee you're tasting all the bitterness of coffee you're not getting the pleasant smells Mm. everything is um, probably going to hit your taste buds in its most unpleasant form Mm -hmm. but apparently certain taste receptors uh, in one's mouth are most sensitive uh, when foodstuffs and drinkstuffs are 20 to 35 degrees celsius and so i suppose tepid coffee would be that which means you're you're tasting far more than you normally would when it is hotter or colder than that yeah before you gave up coffee you would have the cans of coffee that we got at wing yip with the, uh, with the jolly... typical italian on the front yeah exactly um and were mr they... browns and were they just essentially cold coffee no, those were like drugs. Right, but they just full of, <laughs> I don't know, condensed milk and speed. And... Yeah, just so much sugar. I mean, I can't right. remember. I, I actually took that into a radio studio once, and uh, Paul Ross, who uh, regular listeners will know, has advised me well in the past. Right. Um, <laughs> looked at what I was drinking and just said, mate, you shouldn't be drinking that. Have you seen how many calories are in that? I mean, that's seriously, seriously bad for you. 
And it's not even a very big can. This is TV's Paul Ross telling me this. I better listen up and take notice. Yeah. yeah. If, if he's worried about the calories, because I've seen him <laughs> on Come Dine With Me and uh, Lavish. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, as we were discussing with Red Bull last week with Thailand, I think, generally speaking, in the East, they tend to be pioneers for drinks which wouldn't meet our usual health and safety concerns. Yeah. Uh, you know, they'll push the amount of uh, chemicals and sugar they can get into a drink because they work long hours out there. These iPhones aren't going to make themselves. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Jack from Leeds. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. It's like two o'clock and I'm walking home and there's a load of sheep staring at me. Answer me this. The sheep ever sleep? Of course sheep sleep, but they don't sleep that much. They only sleep for about four hours per day and it's in like naps. Margaret Thatcher. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's why they're uh, so steely-eyed. The woolen lady, they called her originally. <laughs> <laughs> they, they have to remain vigilant because they're pretty vulnerable. I mean, what weapon does a sheep have apart from the fact that if an animal tries to grab it, then it's going to choke on all the wool? It's usually the case as well that some sheep are sleeping whilst the others are remaining vigilant mm. and they can sleep standing up as well. So apparently if they're standing up with their heads sort of slumped down, they might be asleep at that time. But he's saying sheep staring at me, so presumably the eyes are open. It sounds like those are the ones that are keeping watch. Maybe the inside huddle are asleep. Night is when they're most vulnerable to attack from uh, toothy creatures, so probably they are more awake then, mm. and maybe they nap at tea time. Interesting sheep facts. Because sheep are so easily preyed on, they have evolved not to show easily recognisable signs of suffering because that would show the prey that they're vulnerable and can be attacked. Oh, no, so they die sort of going oh yeah. this is great yeah if they're sick or injured they're like no I'm fine like my mum is actually when she was in a car crash she's like no don't call an ambulance it's fine. I'll drag myself home with my broken pelvis but apparently it means that uh, people often don't spot the subtle changes in behaviour that may indicate that the sheep are in pain or distress no well it's not that subtle is it because if they get separated from their mum you hear the lambs meh meh don't shut up do that I mean, that's pretty clear mom, yeah but lambs are idiots the cliche is that sheep are idiots too Yes, but that's because they have exactly. to be so that's inexpressive. Well, that, isn't that interesting? So that actually yeah. it could be an evolutionary thing they've designed to do, actually being very clever, yeah. but that trait makes them look stupid. I didn't think they sound very emotionally clever. It's hard to know. When someone is so inscrutable as a sheep, mm. how do you know their emotional intelligence? They might just not be very forthcoming. I just don't think they're very in touch with their own feelings. Well, I don't think you'd probably have a successful relationship with a sheep, Martin, because you're so bloody needy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, demonstrate effect! please <laughs> they're just not hot on their sleeve type creatures are they sheep yeah. mm. here's a question from sam from london who says i've recently begun a career as an accountant congratulations uh, now when someone asks me what i do for a living i'm always met with the same groan a glazed and bored expression and then no further questions don't sound mm. like you have very nice friends no that's rude yeah a the groan an actual groan uh, the polite thing says oh how's that even if you're not interested. Mm. Or actually what I say is, God, that's fascinating. Even if it's not fascinating. Yeah, but we know that you use the word fascinating to mean the opposite. No, it's- you know. Mm. Most people I meet don't. Ugh. Well, uh, he says, Helen, answer me this. How can I make accounting sound sexy? Uh, by typing boobs on your calculator? <laughs> or should I pretend that I do something else when I'm in conversation with strangers? Uh, probably not, because then you'd have to talk about your work all the time. Yeah, so if you say that you do something terribly interesting that you think there might be follow-on questions for, if you say you're a theatre director or a a spacecraft manufacturer, then people are going to ask you questions about it that actually you're then going to have to make up loads of stories to justify. I have a friend who is a doctor of rape, which is an interesting job. I mean, she has a PhD. She's a forensic psychologist who is an expert in rape Mm -hmm. and uh, other... Not the crop. And sexual violence. No, not not the crop. 
Uh, and uh, does mean that she's talking about rape all the time because mm. everyone's interested in her job. That's a party killer, though. So what have you been doing this week? Well, I was at Broadmoor talking to sex fiends. <laughs> I've spoken to her and I find it difficult when you're drinking at a party with her because I'll be standing there with a beer in my hand and I'll say, what have you been working on? And she'll say, well, the connection between young men who drink a lot and rape. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, OK. But I, I'm very interested in her job. As I am uh, in my friend Nick's job, he's a divorce lawyer and I think he always feels like... It's boring to talk about work. I think he feels that other people are not interested in his job. But they are. Yeah, that's a fascinating that's, job. Mm, yeah. Yeah. All human life is there, you isn't it? You mean fascinating this time, don't yeah, you? I do, yes, I do, Nick, if you're listening. I'm genuinely fascinated. You see, can't hear the difference, can you? That's how I get away with it. <laughs> uh, uh, also, I suppose you could use euphemistic terms for accountancy. You could say, well, I'm, I make bean the counter. deals. Oh, bean counter. Well, that's interesting. We took different... Uh, perspectives yeah. on the same thing there you went for something that's sort of almost self-deprecating i went for something that bigs himself up i'm yeah. i make the deals most accountants presumably don't yeah, make the deals they, they don't actually in reality they facilitate the deals. the deals don't they but you could say i'm an accountant uh, but we could talk about other things if you prefer preempt it well i did have a look online uh, an accountancy forum to see if other people had shared this issue mm. uh, one person said that a funny way to introduce oneself at a party as an accountant is by saying the i think unbearably smug line uh, I'm someone who solves a problem you did not know you had in a way you don't understand. That's sounds like a proctologist. That's <laughs> sounds like a joke that's for other accountants. Yeah, sounds like a joke that a non-accountant would just think, "Well, he's a bit of a dick." The what, thing is, what is it you do? Then? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> people are asking you what you do because they're desperately fumbling around to find something to say to you. Just change the question immediately if you yeah. don't want to talk about. It. Say, uh, "I'm an accountant. I also love playing softball. Do you have a exactly. sport that you do?" Exactly. Mm. Yeah, it's not fair on you, Sam, that your job ends the conversational pathway. But since you know that it does, just have a few bits of conversation prepared to lead the conversation somewhere else. Is there, is there any advice that either of you have for the person on the other side of that conversation? So if someone says to you, I'm an accountant. Mm. I mean, when, I, when someone says that to me, I'm like, okay. I, I, mean, I, I, don't, have a, I don't have an obvious follow-on to I, that. I have. I go, oh, I've heard that's lots of exams. Oh, oh that's yes. good, yeah. yeah, yeah no, so I, sympathetic one, yeah. rather yeah. than actually bored. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's clever. Also, all sorts of jobs are exotic to me because I'm just in the house on my own and I don't understand things about business. Well, actually, yeah, no, I genuinely am interested to meet people who are accountants if they're not boring people. If they can explain their job in an interesting way. Yeah. Because I've, got, I've always got loads of questions. Yeah. You know, tax avoidance, that's an interesting issue, isn't and it? And whether it turns out well or disappointing, either way, you will be fascinated. <laughs> <laughs> if you've got a question... Then email your question to answer me this podcast at googlemail.com Answer me this podcast at googlemail.com Answer me this podcast at googlemail.com Answer me this podcast at Time for a question from Max, aged 15, from near Norwich. Uh, he says, I live in a quiet little village full of old people and boring middle-aged couples. Uh, and what I particularly like about the way he's written this email is he's put middle-aged in uh, capital M and capital A. Like the Middle Ages. Like they're actually from the Middle Ages. They might be. <laughs> they're not that old, surely. Some, some things move slowly in East <laughs> Anglia. Uh, he says, it is quite a plain village. I bet it wasn't in the Middle Ages when Norwich was being rampaged by disinherited barons. Here's the problem, <laughs> he says. I really don't fit in. You're a teenager. You're 15. You just have a few years of feeling like nothing fits you. Yeah, of course you don't fit in. You've, you've got more hormones going through your body than the average pregnant woman. And you need the urge to fly away, Max. Yeah, and you can't. 
You can't, can't go to the pub trapped. and you can't have sex. You are trapped. You're designed not to fit in, basically. This is when you need to be working on your web entrepreneurialism. <laughs> exactly. Because there's nothing else you can do yet. Exactly. He continues, I love the almost gothic emo punk style, studs, etc., and regularly wear it out and about. However, lately I get lots of tutting and funny looks from people around the village because of my personal style. Oh, he hasn't done up his uh, 32 hole boots properly. <laughs> He'll trip over. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? Nowadays, uh, a lot of the people that he sees as middle-aged being 15 you know they're probably only 20 <laughs> they're probably in their 30s aren't they and they probably are well aware and familiar with the goth style from when they were teenagers yes yeah, it's a cliche now they actually may be tutting because you haven't done it right uh, helen answer me this should i adjust my fashion to suit them and not wear all the bright jeans and gory tops bright jeans doesn't sound very gothy well, he was a bit vague, wasn't he? He did say mm. the almost gothic emo punk style. That punk takes punks, in a lot, doesn't punks it? Punk liked brights. It does. I mean, that just sounds like clothes. Uh, I guess he's kind of mixing things up. Yeah. Uh, he says, well, what do you think of alternative, more unusual tastes like mine? Well, Max, I don't really feel like the uh, gothic emo punk style is that alternative at the moment. All of these things have been around in a fairly mainstream way for a long time. And so when I see people who put a lot of effort in into looking... Uh, goth punk emo mm. i think ah they're just like all the other goth punk emos isn't yeah. that sweet they're part of a tribe you i don't like I don't... such an old fart <laughs> yeah that's my that is my look and i've been working it since i was a teenager but actually <laughs> but actually i did used to think that as well even when i was at school i don't think i fitted into any one particular category and there were categories at my school and 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 there were categories as well for ugly kids do you know what i mean that i could have chosen to go into right and you know the german army jacket thing i was just thought i don't want to wear a German mm. army jacket. What the hell is that supposed to say about well, anything? I don't think your parents and grandmother would have liked that at all. <laughs> I'm sure. Too soon. I had DMs knockoffs that my mum bought at BHS, which is about <laughs> the most unpunk type of DM you could get. I think that's right. But I would love it if people dressed uh, more in a way that was genuinely surprising. For instance, the other day on the tube, I saw a man who must have been in his 60s and he was wearing heart shaped Lolita sunglasses. And oh. usually I disapprove of people wearing sunglasses on the tube of all places, yes. but I thought that is a strong look and particularly for a man getting towards elderly um, do you think they were reading glasses in fact <laughs> maybe those photochromic ones to protect him from the harsh lighting of the tube yeah and I thought no he probably really likes those and he's bloody gone for it good for him maybe or maybe he's just given up on life I and mean, that's the other thing that happens either it? way he's doing it with panache my uh, mate's dad at school always used to walk around with the sunglasses he got free in a happy meal <laughs> and they were they looked like they were free and a happy meal yeah my dad for years wore sunglasses that came from a cereal box and were missing one arm <laughs> and I did say you know sunglasses are not expensive <laughs> and yet he wore them for about 10 years but having been a bit dismissive of goth style in answer to uh, Max's other question uh, should he adjust his fashion to suit the others no I don't think you should I think you should dress how you please Max as long as it's within uh, the boundaries of taste and decency also if 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 these middle aged people are sort of stuffy conservative middle-aged type people then adjusting your dress to suit them is, is i'd say almost impossible well and actually almost anything a young person could wear is going to be deemed inappropriate by those kind of people isn't it if i had a teenage look it was probably that look of trying to dress like a 70 year old yeah no but that's kind of cool it's that's this now but it wasn't then <laughs> but but that's that's not what they expect a young person to do either dress like them Mm. They sort of expect a young person to look like, I don't know what, I guess what a young person looked like when they were young. Dungarees. Yeah, which is just, it's absurd. Spit and polished shoes. And almost impossible to buy the clothes, I should think. Keep the bright jeans. Maybe tone it down on gory tops, whatever they are. 
Uh, I mean, I'm picturing tops that depict open heart surgery, and I could understand why people in any village, Norfolk or otherwise, would not find that an enjoyable thing to look at. But I think actually, Max, as a teenager, take this opportunity now for people tutting at you, because when you're older, you'll probably naturally tone down your dress and become a bit more small-c conservative. So enjoy it now. Those things are so expensive, though. That's the thing about being a teenager. I like it's going to get expensive. Like, the goth stuff is really expensive, isn't it, to have the boots and the... Oh, maybe they're tutting at what they view as your profligacy, Max. (laughs) Oh, look how much you must have spent on jewellery and those novelty trousers. That might be a nice thing to hold in your mind, Max, whilst you walk down the street. Hey there, podcast listeners. Each week, Helen and Ollie answer your questions. You can send your questions to answermethispodcast at googlemail.com. Again, answermethispodcast at googlemail.com. Okay, back to the show. Ah, well, that comes in from uh, Ken in San Francisco, uh, who says, I took the liberty of throwing together a little announcement spot in the style of this American life. Thank you very much, Ken. Here's a question from Phil from Treorki, who says, Ollie, answer me this. When and why did the word cabinet come to mean government? Mm. Why is the highest and most important office in the land named after a piece of furniture? I suspected, before I looked into this, uh, that it might be because the cabinet is made up of secretaries. I thought, what? But I was thinking 22 secretaries, as there are ministers, right. then could fill up an office cabinet, a filing cabinet. Well, that it's is preposterous, really, but in my that's, head. That's the kind of thought that's process people have where they're trying to do that kind of memory test thing where you think of like <laughs> a stupid chain. There's a horse, he's got a staple on his head, he's wearing a hat. <laughs> is it because the room that they gather in was known as a cabinet? Sort of, yes. Okay. Um, cabinet was interchangeable as a word in the 16th century for small room. The modern cabinet as we know it now, the government cabinet, uh, was only founded by Lloyd George uh, during World War One. The way it's been sold to us now is that, you know, the cabinet is the place where decisions are made, but it's a recent thing and it's not a crucial part of our political system, really. Well, it is now. Well, it kind of is, but it's sometimes they only meet, apparently, for half an hour. So it is sort of Smackers. just to tell people that they've met. It's just to have formally approve things that they've all done privately. God, even we work harder than the cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the cabinet is a modern thing in a sense, but it does come from the 16th century when cabinet meant small room because uh, the uh, king as it was then, mm-hmm. would have meetings with his cabinet in the cabinet council. Uh, right, so, so just the council room. Yeah, apparently there was, it was quite a controversial thing to have a cabinet because people believed that uh, the monarch should rule absolutely. Divine right of kings and all that. Yeah, um, scientifically watertight. That's right. So according to the OED, the first reference to cabinet in this sense goes back to Francis Bacon in 1605. Right. Uh, expressing this very controversy, Helen, he said, um, for which inconveniences the doctrine of Italy and practice of France in some king's times hath introduced cabinet councils, a remedy worse than the disease. Oh, so somebody didn't like James I? Yeah, exactly. Um, But then, as uh, the kings got foreign like George I and George II, English was no longer their first language. George I and II were foreign? Correct. I had no idea. They had to have a cabinet around them because they needed their councillors to wow. be able to translate to the people what they wanted to do. And then it became a thing as a word. It was in uh, sort of common use by the time Lloyd George came okay. around to naming his group of ministers. So for George I and II, it was almost like an entourage yeah, exactly, of a big yeah. star. So yeah. the, like the glam squad, yeah. but linguistic. <laughs> exactly. Here's a question from Victoria in Tootingbeck, who says... Answer me this In The Apprentice Where the hell is the cafe The losing team go to After they've lost the week's task Is it an actual cafe In which case I'd be concerned For their business As they never seem to have Any other customers (laughs) Or is it an invention Of the show's producers 
and actually part of the Apprentice Studios. I think with that question, you show a lot more savvy than the average BBC One viewer because... Studio? Indeed. What, what? <laughs> a lot of people think that the boardroom, even if they know it's not Lord Sugar's boardroom, mm-hmm. think that it is actually a boardroom somewhere. You know, they've, they've probably read that it's not really in Canary Wharf. They probably think it is his boardroom in Brentwood. Right. But it isn't even that. It is a studio just off the A40 near Park Royal. Unbelievable. Pretty glamorous, huh? Uh, and so uh, when they've done the boardroom scene, obviously they need somewhere nearby to go. Naturally. Uh, producers of The Apprentice uh, in about 2008, I believe, stumbled across this cafe up the road, which is a real cafe. It is called The Bridge. Is it unpopular with other people or do they just close it off when it's full of Apprentice crew and cast? The latter. Right. Uh, that would make sense. It's important when you've got a crew of producer-director, sound person, mm. a lighting person, uh, a producer and assistant producer. Someone taking down notes who has a lowly job. Probably, yeah, a researcher or some sort of logger. Runner. So, yeah, so you're talking that just that minimum crew is seven people plus the up to 12 people you're filming. So then to do mm. that, you've probably got two cameras, actually. And also you have to then position them so they're all visible. You can't have them crammed in with their backs to the cameras. Indeed. Uh, when you imagine how many people are in that tiny little room, it's not practical to have members of the public there as well. No, also, uh, and this is why you often see empty restaurants and things in reality shows, you'd have to get release forms from yeah. everybody. You can't tell what they're going to do. Often they're, they're filming at non-food times of the morning. They might be filming dinner at a restaurant at 10am. Also, because if you've got people in the background, they mess with the continuity. Yes. If they're eating eggs and chips... And, and then it... they're replaced by a little girl exactly. eating a burger. Yeah. Exactly, then you know it's all been cut together. So they get more control that way. And the sound would be a problem as well, with background chit-chat. Potentially, All yes. sorts of problems. Well, here's another question of shitholes. It's from Harvey. Uh, he's from Streatham, but uh, we're not casting doubts on Streatham. I wouldn't dare. The hideaway is lovely. Um, who says... Helen, answer me this. Why is tennis played at Wimbledon? Well, it would seem a shame to waste all those courts. Uh, He says Wimbledon is a bit of a shithole now. What? Wimbledon Um, Village is super, super posh. There's two sides to Wimbledon, aren't there? I quite like South Wimbledon. It's got a bit of character to it. Yeah, Uh, a bit of scuzzy character, but it's not... It's just not so bloody gentrified as Wimbledon Village. It's a bit nicer. He says somehow during the tennis, they make it look, at worst, presentable. Well, they get the Wombles to have a little whip round, (laughs) clean it up. Why, why, why did they put Wimbledon in Wimbledon, though? That's a good point, isn't well, it? I mean, you might as well ask why they put Wembley at Wembley or why they have a regatta in Henley. Uh, to make it a place where things happen. Otherwise, why would you go there? No, it's because the... the well, that all- is why they put Wembley in Wembley. Right, OK. <laughs> well, it's where the All England Lawn Tennis and Croquet Club was founded right. on the 23rd of July, 1868, at the height of a croquet craze. So then it was just the All England Croquet Club. Mm. And then what happened was that lawn tennis became very popular. So they started playing that and then they first held tennis championships which were men's singles in 1877 in order to fundraise so they could get a pony drawn roller for the croquet lawn oh. hi uh, greg from uh boston helen and ollie answer me this how did Casper die? I assume he means Casper the Friendly Ghost. He seems really melancholy about that. People think of Casper, oh, the Friendly Ghost, Friendly Ghost, benevolent. Yep. But you don't think, oh, that's a child that lost his life, that's well, sad. the problem was that people did think that. And uh, so in the early years of Casper the Friendly Ghost, uh, it was a book first and then it was cartoons and I think then it was also comic books. So they were desperately trying to get away from the notion that everybody was enjoying a friendly dead child. Built a rod for their own back with the yeah. title though, didn't they? Yeah. So, well, yeah, exactly. Ghost, not <laughs> Casper the friendly boy yeah. who lived. Uh, so, <laughs> Casper the friendly translucent floating boy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so in the 60s and 70s, Harvey Comics put it out that Casper was in fact born a ghost mm. because his mummy and his daddy were ghosts when they got it on. Bollocks. I know. 
Ridiculous. Not how it works. Absolutely Not how it absurd. works. The whole point of Casper the Friendly Ghost is that in itself that's a comic idea, isn't it? Because you think of ghosts as being scary. Ooh, yeah. scary. Hmm. I mean, why is that? I suppose people will say because they're in the in-between worlds, they're not, you know, they're not rested, they haven't gone to heaven or hell. It's difficult for them to communicate, maybe. Nonetheless. They keep popping up when you're trying to sleep. It shouldn't be such an anomaly that you get a friendly ghost, should it? I mean, no. yeah, a proportion of ghosts should be friendly. You've seen the film The Sixth Sense, right? Like, yeah. A lot of those ghosts are trying to be friendly, but because they're portraying the manner of their death, they terrify the young boy. Yeah. In the 1995 film of Casper, starring Christina Ritchie, when she was still a child. I was going to say, in, you're not interested why in a child film. Oh, that's why. Yeah. It wasn't uh, hot then. They actually uh, <laughs> specify that he was a young adolescent who went sledding and died of pneumonia, but he doesn't look adolescent in the film. He looks no. like a kind of translucent baby. But do you know what? I think that a clue lies in one of the first incarnations of Casper in the 1945 cartoons, the first Casper the Friendly Ghost cartoons. Mm. He is already a ghost, but no one will be friends with him. And as we know, he's friendly. So it's extremely upsetting for him that no one will be his friend. Mm. So he throws himself under a train, not realising that as a ghost, he he can't kill himself. <laughs> you can't even kill yourself properly, Casper, you friendly idiot. But that does indicate that he has suicidal tendencies, doesn't yes, it? Yes. So maybe that is how oh, he died in the first God. place. Uh, incidentally, if all this talk of Casper the Friendly Ghost has left you with a wanton craving for more, um, <laughs> answer me this podcast.com slash love film, free love right. film trial. So you could actually watch the 1945 cartoons on love films. Well, tell us how many suicidal tendencies you spot in the young Casper. What's your favourite question from our first three years that's really made you go for? Tim Curry or Tim Rice. Disposing of dead mice. Safe from Smethwick on kosher law. If you like fact or body talk. Or just a soundtrack for your walk. We've got stuff to entertain you. Because for 79 pence each you can buy our first three years episodes. Or just the good ones, who could blame you? Go to answermethispodcast.com slash classic or iTunes. And if you don't, you'll get a visit in the night from our band of Hired goons, whack, whack, whack to what they say, if you value your knees. Well, we have come to the final question of this series of Answer Me This before we take a little holiday. Savour it then, listeners. Um, (laughs) And uh, the great responsibility of the last question of the series falls upon Jordan, uh, who is age 19 from Bridgend in South Wales. And it's a question about his forthcoming holiday. Ooh. That's right, yes. Uh, He says... I'm going abroad without my family, and about a week before I go, I'm getting my hair cut, and at the same time, I may get it dyed. However, my mother advises me not to. That's not a surprise. I would say most mums generally don't love it when their sons dye their hair. Oh, Jordan, you had such lovely hair. Yeah. Even if actually you probably didn't. Mums are a bit hairblind. Why change? You were such a lovely little toddler. Because my, my hair definitely looks better shorter, I think. Like yes. My current haircut's better, isn't it? Although I did like your childhood fro. In pictures, it Fine. looks sweet. Yes. But my mum, I think because she thinks I look like Richard Gere, she thinks therefore... Wow. You do look a bit like Richard Gere. What? I Have really you ever seen Richard like Gere? I might look a bit like Richard Gere's arse on a face, but I don't look like Richard Gere himself. Is he the guy in Superbad, right? <laughs> uh, or the um, other guy in Superbad. <laughs> so the point is, I think my hair at a certain length would be good if my face were different. But I think on my face, you've got to say, better to keep it short. But my mum seems hair blind to this fact. 
hair blind. Is, is it because she's hair nostalgic with you? And when she looks at you, she doesn't necessarily see a 32-year-old adult man. That's right, yeah. She sees the young child she dandled on her I knee. I don't see a 32-year-old adult <laughs> man when I look at you. Jordan continues, My mum says, If I dye my hair, it may turn a different colour due to chlorine in the swimming pool. So, Helen, answer me this. Is my mother just jealous that I'm going on my first holiday without my family and probably she's not. bullshitting? She's already been on a holiday without your family before you were born. She's probably scheduled turning your room into a gymnasium for when hey. you left. <laughs> or is she being serious? Would you advise me not to dye my hair before holiday? Well, I feel like you're going to do it anyway, no matter what we advise, Jordan. You've planned the haircut with the holiday booking. I mean, that's a commitment. And you haven't specified what colour you're dyeing your hair but uh, it is particularly dangerous if you if you dye your hair blonde to then go swimming because it may turn green. Right. Uh, because Why? And is that the chlorine? So your mum's not bullshitting. Well, some say chlorine, but others say, no, it's not the chlorine. It's oxidised metals in the water, which bind to the protein in the hair shaft and deposit their colour. When people say things like that, you just can't argue with them, can you? Because you don't know about hair proteins. Oxidised metals? Yeah. Menace. You just uh, have to go, oh, right, OK, that's the science bit. So if you if you have blonde hair, the discoloration will be particularly noticeable, and especially as blonde hair is the most damaged of the dyed hairs. But any dyed hair is more porous than normal hair. You could dye your hair if you really want to, Jordan. It is your head and your life. But maybe you need to take some precautions. If you don't want to wear a swimming cap, and let's face it, really, who does? Uh, I love the idea of a lad's holiday with a swimming cap on. That is beautiful. Especially one of those ones covered in rubber flowers with a chin strap. Uh, <laughs> you can soak your hair in fresh water before going in the pool so that the, the hair is already swollen with the other water and therefore will absorb less pool water. That sounds like BS, Helen. I'm sorry. Or you can cover your hair in a protective conditioner before you go in. And then uh, as soon as you come out of the pool, rinse because then otherwise the chemicals will have more time to wreak their havoc. Well, Jordan, happy holidays. Indeed. And happy holidays to us from you listeners. I'm speculating, <laughs> because uh, we have come to the end That's it. of we're, this series of Answer Me This. We're taking a little break for three weeks. Which means no more Answer Me This podcast until the 11th of July. However, there will be a new Answer Me This album. Answer Me This holiday. Holiday, because it's holiday time. It's, it's, it's summer, isn't it? Except for our listeners in the Southern Hemisphere. Well, it's still holiday time. You can deal with it. You know what holidays are like, surely. Um, <laughs> so you can identify. If you don't know what holidays are like, then the Answer Me This holiday will give you some clues. <laughs> Basic information. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so we recorded a special, exclusive, all-new one-hour album. It's top-notch stuff which is just us talking about so like our sports day album was about sport and our jubilee album was about the royal family if you haven't bought them they're £2.49 each on itunes please do uh, this year we've done one that's all about holidays so it's questions about eating foreign food and uh, holiday reading and stag do's abroad holiday romance brits abroad all that sort of stuff it's not out yet but check back next Thursday when you would usually be feeling the hunger for a new episode of Answer Me This. And instead, perhaps if iTunes have seen fit, it will be out. Uh, and it'll also be on Amazon as well for people that yes. don't like Apple. Although Indeed. they'll probably charge £3 more for it for some weird reason. Whichever. Come back and check at answermethispodcast.com slash albums. And uh, another thing we think you'll like is uh, Martin the Soundman's most recent endeavour which is a video for uh, the song 10,000 Letters of Love for my new album 
um, which is all done in paper cuts and animations. And when you say done in paper cuts, you haven't been cutting your fingers with paper and then making it out of blood, have you? You should explain. <laughs> that would be a good idea, actually. No, no, I did something. No, no, it wouldn't. Uh, no, no, it's, 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 it's sort of paper sets. It's scenes made out of paper. You've spent a lot of time on this video, which means, listeners, you can spend five minutes watching it. It's a very beautiful thing. Every time I've come around, Martin's been making weird things out of yeah. paper and filming them. Yeah, he's been green screening himself and projecting himself onto the paper. A top hat. It's a wonderfully elaborate video, listeners. Uh, and Ollie said, as he saw Martin doing all these things, using all these crafts, is Martin having a breakdown? <laughs> the answer to that question is almost always yes. <laughs> but if all breakdowns looked so good, more people would want to have them. So do go <laughs> and watch the video. And uh, you can find that at Martin's website, thesoundoftheladies.com. And one final task for you listeners during our absence is to send us questions. And we'll be back answering those very questions on the 11th of July. So we'll see you then. Bye! Bye.